Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, a special edition today, uh, Wednesday, August 24th. Uh, it's going to be myself and Kevin Sinclair talking Notre Dame football recruiting. And uh, this is something that we want to launch today. And the plan moving forward is that every Wednesday of a home week, a home football game, we will be uh, joining Kevin Sinclair to talk about uh, Notre Dame recruiting. Kevin, uh, welcome. Let's start with a couple of uh, or several of the Notre Dame receivers, a couple of receivers that are verbally committed to Notre Dame, Braylon James in the class of 2023, Rico Flores. Uh, man, Rico Flores sure looks like he's improved his speed. Yeah, you know, so basically <clears throat> Flores had his season opener on Friday. Um, I had a pretty long discussion with his like longtime trainer the previous Monday. He'd explained to me, you know, I'd asked, you know, what did he really work on over the offseason? Like what did it's an improvement I might see. And he said speed. We worked on speed, speed, speed all offseason. And usually with a guy who's like, you know, junior going into senior year, you can really only add so much more speed. Your speed usually kind of is what it is at that point. So I kind of took that with a grain of salt, but when I watched him on Friday, you could, you could see that speed, like the tangible evidence of that. He just looks to step quicker out there and, you know, playing against a pretty good, uh, a pretty good defense. You know, he had seven catches for, I believe it was over 150 yards and two touchdowns. He caught this pass along the seam and just out sprinted the defensive backs to the end zone untouched. Um, a little later in the game, he, uh, from their own 40, he ran a deep post route, just outran the coverage, follows there, but a 51, 52-yard throw, caught that for a, a touchdown. So he's really stretching the field, and I think in our analysis of him so far has been, he's really been more of a possession guy, right? Of course, in college, defensive backs level a lot more speed, and we'll see yeah. how that goes, but I just feel like, you know, Flores, I, you know, I see true sort of improvement there over the off season from a speed and movement aspect. And then I just started thinking kind of big picture here. If this is their third best receiver per the rankings in the class, you know, and then I saw some, some footage of Braylon James making outstanding plays in a scrimmage. It, it just kind of put it all into focus. Like this, this wide receiver class might be really something right. And all three are enrolling early. That includes Jaden Greathouse, who I think is, you know, a super polished receiver. Um, I just think that we're, I'm really looking forward to watching all these guys in their senior year. They're all enrolling early, and man, do they ever need that. Some of these guys are going to have to, you know, at least one of them is going to have to play a major role uh, as a true freshman. And then, of course, there's they're, they're shooting for that fourth receiver in uh, Tayshawn Leons. You know, so I spoke with him shortly after uh, – you know, he got the offer uh, from Notre Dame. Um, it's, he didn't, you know, say it. I asked him about sort of top schools. He, you know, didn't say he really had any, but just sort of through that whole discussion, I think it was pretty clear to me that in his mind, Notre Dame's the best opportunity he has. So it's going to be interesting to see sort of how that shakes out. Notre Dame, will they also target other additional receivers? I think that that's probably likely. But right there, a kid in California, very agile, athletic, but quite raw. Kind of makes sense as that fourth edition. Um, Tim, don't know if you've watched a whole lot of his film, but what do you make of uh, Leon? No, I have. I have. I love him. I mean, the guy the guy that he reminds me of in, in terms of style is Tyler Vaughn's, the, the former USC receiver. He's, he has length. I, I just I think there's a comparison in terms of the way they move, the way they carry their bodies. I like Leon's a lot. You know, <laughs> 
is it too late to get some of those uh, class of 2023 guys to reclassify for 2022? <laughs> but uh, it, at least it, it's good that they would that, that those three are going to be coming in early. I totally agree with you about Rico Flores and his improvement of speed. I still have a question about catch radius with him. But again, if he is your number three receiver in the class, <coughs> excuse me, which it appears that he is, that's a pretty damn good number three receiver. Um, you know, Great House, we know, we know about Great House as well. Braylon James looks like he can still take the top off of a defense. Yeah, you know, he certainly does. I mean, I, I posted a clip on our message board. It was, you know, it was just a scrimmage, but we saw him, you know, running a vertical and it was kind of. Um, over his back shoulder a little bit too much. Um, he was able to, you know, adjust that and make a, a sprawling catch. I know that he has recorded, you know, it's in, in the four fours. So impressive. He's, he'll be playing in a new program this year. His team last year um, really struggled, like especially a quarterback. So be interesting to see him in a more, you know, an offense that's a little bit more capable. And then I guess I would just add it in terms of, aside from Flores, there was a half dozen commits played on the weekend. We talked about it, Tim. Um, ben Minnick out of Ohio. Um, they had the, the day he committed, I talked to him and I asked him, what's going to be your biggest game of the year? You know, I'm going to want to tune into your regular season. And he said it would be the game that was played on Friday versus San Xavier, you know, probably the best team on their schedule. And, you know, he, he scored the game winning touchdown with 21 seconds remaining. There was a play where he was sort of on the hash in the red zone um, on a passing play where the quarterback threw to the sideline, a sideline throw and minute his closing speed on intercepting that pass was, I mean, that kid is, he is very, very quick. You know, he's going to have to add size. Um, we'll have to see what he can do in terms of um, tackling on the college level. You know, probably a guy that's going to take some time to um, physically be be prepared to play in the college level, but that closing speed that we're seeing, um, the way he, you know, there was a fumble snap when he was uh, serving as a punter and he sprinted up the field 60 yards, um, you know, juking defenders in the open field and, and nearly scored. Um, his speed looks legit. Yeah. You know, I, he's a football player, right? I mean, you look at this guy and some, you know, some people, the reaction now with Notre Dame recruiting is if they're not a high four-star, then Notre Dame's not doing something great here. But I, you know, I think Ben Minnick's a, a football player and he is, I mean, he's one of the best tacklers that you're going to see in high school football. He, he, mm -hmm. you talk about his explosion and then he really gets, he really explodes into the lower body of a ball carrier. And it's really, really impressive. Um, yeah. Get stronger, get a little bit bigger. He's, he's not going to be a guy that's going to have to come in and contribute right away. Unless, you know, unless it's on special teams, but let's hey Kevin, let's jump over to the defensive ends because um, obviously the loss of Keon Keeley is significant to Notre Dame and probably Alabama's gain. Um, what do you see? Is there, is there really a clear picture as to what Notre Dame is going to do at defensive end in order to replace the loss of Keon Keeley? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a really tough situation where they, you know, before they lost Keeley, they were really hoping to add a third defensive end, um, you know, ended up committing to Ohio State. So and Jason Moore. So they missed him and I, they already wanted to add another defensive end and then they've lost Keeley. So really it's it's like they're down, you know, they need to kind of fill two there. Two defensive ends is what they could truly need um, before even getting into that. If you just look at <clears throat> what they've added 
in recent years, you know, a couple of classes ago, they had a Will Schweitzer and Devin Alpu at weak side defensive end. Neither are there anymore. Class before that, Jordan Vitello hasn't really panned out at that position, has kind of moved to linebacker. So they're thin there. It wasn't just that Kiwi was the most talented recruit in the class. He was also a, you know, a guy at a position of actually more considerable need than I think when you realize at first glance. You know, Isaiah Foskey, Justin Adamalola, they're on their way out. There's not a lot there. So losing Keeley, real po- serious poke in the eye there. But, um, you know, there's there's a few um, weak side defensive end commits uh, at Tennessee. One uh, that we've talked about a fair amount in Chan Davey and Bradley. So Notre Dame offered him uh, long, long ago. He is uh, ranked in the top 75. Um, we're talking about a kid who is really built on athleticism. So he's a a kid who is really a basketball player, very talented basketball player. And he, um, he basically eventually when he got to high school, started playing a bit more football. And as a sophomore, he emerged as this really twitchy, super athletic weak side defensive end. He added some size at that point. He's the kind of guy who can drop into coverage, play off the ball extremely well. Um, but he's going to need to really keep building his body getting stronger and that sort of thing. However, of course, he's committed to Tennessee, right? So, um, you know, Tennessee, when we're talking about this NIL era, they're very heavily involved in NIL. However, when I first spoke with Bradley after Notre Dame had offered him, it it seemed to me that not only was he a really good fit for Notre Dame, it kind of felt like Notre Dame might, might have been his favorite school at that time. Um, fast forward to months later, kind of like late spring, I had contacted him and, and he was pretty open that communication between him and Notre Dame had kind of fallen off. They had said they kind of had the position filled there at weak side defensive end. Um, sounded like he wanted to visit, but there wasn't really any opportunity there for him to do that. He was definitely on the back burner. And it sounded like he had a very serious interest in Notre Dame and he was, you know, hoping that things were going to change there so he could I'll get back in the mix with Notre Dame. Between then and now, he's committed to Tennessee. You're circling back to him. I know he had that very serious interest in Notre Dame in the past. Can they rekindle that? Could they potentially flip him? We just don't know. But that's a you know the main guy we're going to need to keep an eye on there. Yeah. And you know, Tim, you know, what are your thoughts on just sort of the urgency well, to fill that role and, and how yeah. how bad that could be if they don't. Well, I was I was going to mention Justin Adamalola and, and Isaiah Foskey. They're walking out the door after this year, so the opportunity mm-hmm. for Keeley, you know, I don't I don't know if you say he could walk right in and start, but he certainly could have challenged for that. And so that mm-hmm. that part of it is a little bit surprising. I don't know, you know, with Alabama, how much NIL played in that. I, I certainly the opportunity to play at Alabama in and of itself is enough to attract a player, but. Um, yeah, the, the need there is absolutely great. I, do you think, um, I mean, do you think they're going to be able to turn Bradley's head again? It sounds like that. It sounds like they, he wanted them early on. Is he, is he convincible at this stage after having been kind of, you know, turned away and then already committed to Tennessee? You know, it's, it's really tough to say. So first off, it's kind of early in that situation. And then, Second of all, he's committed to Tennessee. And then we're in this sort of NIL era where that that does matter. And I'm sure there's been talks of, you know, how what that's going to look like for him in Tennessee. So really, it's just too early to say. He's, you know, I tried contacting him. He's not really talking about it, which is 
pretty common for commits, you know, guys who are committed elsewhere. They don't really want it to kind of be out there if they're talking to another school right, or not. So right. it's going to be kind of wait and see. But if he books a visit to Notre Dame, if we do see that happen, I would think there's a really good chance that that's going to happen. Are there a couple other names at defensive end, or are they still kind of in the, the shopping yeah. mode? So the kind of interesting there is the, you know, immediately after Keon Keeley had uh, decommitted from Notre Dame, I believe the first weak side defensive end they offered was Caleb Herring, who's a, another top 100 weak side defensive end, but he's also committed to Tennessee. Um, again, you know, I'd only talking about the NIL stuff a whole lot because it's a lot of speculation there. We don't, we can't tell um, how each recruit individually um, reacts to NIL deals or how important it is to them and that sort of thing. But again, Tennessee is a school that, you know, is pretty heavily involved in, in that, you know, and these two guys are committed to that school. I know that both of them had a lot of interest in Notre Dame before they were committed to Tennessee. So it's really just about monitoring that and see if they can get them on campus this fall. So until that happens, it's, it's tough to say. Let's uh, let's jump back to to running backs, Kevin. And you mentioned the two verbal commitments and how many commitments that they've had in in recent years. But Jeremiah Love also considered a wide receiver prospect. They could certainly could use him either. <laughs> they could, they could use a player of that caliber in either spot. Uh, Four point two grade point average. He's made visits to Alabama, Missouri, Notre Dame, and of course Texas A and M. It sounds like Notre Dame, Texas A and M. What's the latest on Notre Dame's recruitment of Jeremiah Love? Yeah, you know, um, I spoke with a source, like, who knows Jeremiah Love, he's known him for a long time, and spoke with him just after Notre Dame offered, and and he was telling me about, you know, how dynamic of a player is, all the things that we already know about him as a running back. He's he's great, he can run probably sub, you know, into the four threes, um, big time talent. Now, when it came to his recruitment, this source said, you know, this, this is the thing I think most people are sort of missing is, how special of a student he is. Like he isn't just a, you know, a straight A student. He's a, an exceptional student and he has a lot of college aspirations as do his family for him. And I was told like at that time, the Notre Dame Stanford Northwestern mold was considered what would be most ideal, um, you know, between him and, and sort of his family. And so as his recruitment got moving along, I, you know, I felt really good about Notre Dame landing him, especially if, um, you know, Cedric uh, Irvin decommitted, which he did. Um, you know, when he visited Notre Dame in June for the official visit, just after then was when I kind of learned that, you know, Texas A&M really had a lot of, you know, momentum there with him as well. And he was very interested that way as well. Um, sort of circling back to that original source I talked to recently, you know, he said, he was very surprised that Texas A&M was, you know, a school that he was very interested in. Again, um, it's a, a kid who's, you know, interested in getting into healthcare, um, you know, as a profession. And, you know, Notre, again, Notre Dame just seemed like that kind of school he was seeking out from the outset. So, you know, I think that Notre Dame has a very good chance. I know that his mom wasn't with him Um for his official visit in the summer. I think if we see him take an official visit in the fall for a home game and his mom's with him, uh, I would predict Notre Dame at that point. So kind of like similar to Chandavian Bradley, Caleb Herring, like we're talking defensive end. If we see that visit booked, I'll feel really good about Notre Dame uh, sealing the deal there. I think it'll be interesting to see what uh, happens with the Notre Dame running backs during the 2022 season, mm -hmm. uh, because 
you know, Diggs is young, Estime's young, Tyree's going to be a senior next year, but Price is young and, and Payne is young. And then the other yeah. two that are already committed, it's going to be, you know, a pretty young uh, group of running backs. So I don't know if that would influence him as Notre Dame, how interested is Notre Dame in love as a receiver? Yeah, you know, it is really interesting because we were talking about that. They've added a lot of running backs there. Um, Tyree, you know, he's he's a junior. He can he's we would all assume he's probably going to be back in 2023. Diggs and SMA were signed in the next class, price and pain in the class after that. They've caught commitments from Lamar and Edwards. That's six running backs right there over three classes. And then if they had love, that's seven. You know, it looks sort of like a log jam, right? But you wonder. Um, what role a guy like Edwards will play? Will he play a, a lot more in the slot and be your sort of scat back type who um, has a kind of a lower snap count, a smaller job there, and he's also returning kicks? Um, you know, the, the one thing that should always be in the discussion with running back, though, is there is always injuries. Every year there's a running back who's injured or banged up. There's often multiple running backs who are hobbled at the same time. We've seen it in recent years. You think just a couple of years ago, Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones Jr., Chris Tyree with the turf toe. Like we see this stuff all the time. So I'm probably making too much of how many running backs there are there. And, you know, the offense is evolving and maybe we'll see more Tyree in the slot. Maybe Jaden Lamar will be that kind of guy. And we know that Jeremiah Love is is that type of player too. Well, and certain, certainly Dylan Edwards as well. So there's some yeah, versi- there, there's some versatility uh, versatility there. Kevin, let's wrap up uh, real briefly here. Uh, well, it doesn't have to be real briefly, but the 2024 class. Uh, Ryan Wingo, the the highly touted wide receiver. Uh, where is Notre Dame with him and some other wide receiver prospects in the class of 2024? Yeah, so I sort of like to kind of make. I think Ryan Wingo is kind of from an importance standpoint to Notre Dame, he's going to probably kind of be like the Carnell Tate of the 2024 class, just that, you know, five-star receiver, you know, he's from the Midwest, super important to Notre Dame. Um, But from the outset here, I think Notre Dame is going to have a better shot with Wingo than they had with Tate. Another thing was Tate transferred to IMG Academy. And whenever that happens, a lot more SEC sort of, um, influence there and big box school sort of thing i don't know of any you know wingo transferring to img academy so um seems like they're gonna have a a really good shot there a legitimate shot at scoring this five-star receiver but why i was kind of bringing up um you know just before we got on the podcast here sort of missouri um you know he's from st louis there's four prospects that sort of come across here from missouri who i think could all be quite important to this class so Wango out of St. Louis is one of two really talented receivers in the 2024 class um, from St. Louis, Jeremiah McClellan being the other. Um, I had my first kind of like long chat with McClellan um, just a, a few days ago, you know, four-star receiver, visited Notre Dame. Um, this sounded like a guy where if Notre Dame decided to go all in on him, it uh, seemed like they had a pretty darn good shot of landing him. He's 6'1", 185 pounds. He's ranked in the top 24-7. So that's a prospect to keep an eye on there. Um, he visited Notre Dame um, in, in recent months. And then at the defensive end position, um, there's Williams Nuanari from, uh, from the Kansas City area and Jay Sean Ross, another defensive end. So my point being, Two really important receivers in the St. Louis area there, and Ryan Wingo and Jeremiah McClellan, 
Those are two guys Notre Dame fans need to know. And then at defensive end over in the Kansas City area, Williams Noenari, kind of the same height and weight listing as Jason Moore was. He's 6'6", 255. <laughs> find he's a very good student. Keep an eye on him. And then there's Jason Ross, super athletic defensive end who also plays receiver and tight end. Good student. Four recruits there out of Missouri in 2024 class to keep an eye on. Again, I want to remind our listeners that uh, our intention here is to gather with uh, Kevin Sinclair uh, on Wednesdays during uh, home football weekends. We wanted to get this rolling before the start of the season. But Kevin, good stuff. We appreciate you joining us today. And that's it for Irish Illustrated Insider. Talk to you next time. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame Leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish!